I get to continue today in our Christmas series called For His Glory. So last week, I started the, the story, the actual physical story. The week before, Pastor Jeff talked about the prophetic and the promises and all the things that were kind of prophesied to happen with Jesus. But then last week, I took the story up. There was 400 years of silence, and then all of a sudden, there's a woman named Mary, and she gets a visitation by an angel, and he wants to know, Mary, you might not feel able, but are you available? And Mary gives her big, giant yes to God and says, go ahead and let it be as, as you have said in my life. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. So have you ever, but first I have a question. Have you ever faced something, or maybe you're facing it right now, something that is maybe challenging, maybe you found yourself, maybe it was a small thing, maybe it was a big thing, but it felt bigger than you. And you just like, ah, this is bigger than me. I just don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. But then someone came along, someone who knows you, someone who know knows you. And they said, you know, I know you. I think you can do this. I remember the last time that you did something very similar, or I know that you have everything in you to get this done. I know that God's hand is on you. And so, and it just was a game changer in your life. It was just that moment where you're like, Thank you. I just really needed to hear that. And I love those moments. How many of you have ever had a moment like that where somebody just was a game changer in your life or you got to be a game changer in someone else's life? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about, last week I said we were going to talk about what Mary knew. Like what were the things that she knew in the moment after the angel left her and what were the things that she needed to know in order to walk out her journey? So turn in your Bibles to Luke 1, and we're going to start in verse 39. The word, oh, the word says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth was her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her womb and made her baby jump. I don't know if you've ever said that to someone, but made her baby jump. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What a moment. In a loud voice, in a loud voice. So she screamed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, she tells her what she felt. The baby inside me leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. So, she, so here's the deal. Everybody say, Mary hurried. Mary hurried. And with that, Lord, I just thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the revelation. I thank you that biblical truth is our foundation. Holy Spirit, I ask that we would have ears to hear, hearts that understand, eyes to see what you're speaking to us today. I ask your blessing on the delivery, I ask your blessing on the recipient, recipients. Let us steward it well in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're thankful for the word of God. So the angel told Mary about her cousin. And that's what we studied last week, her cousin Elizabeth. And it says that Mary hurried. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about this is that this is found in the book of Luke. So Luke, just historically, one of the things that he's very honored and praised for is that his Greek was excellent. So he understood proper 
modern Greek, and he was seeking to write a very detailed, very accurate report of what had happened, because remember last week we said, because he was, he was writing so that we could be confident about the things that we have heard, right? So he's really kind of doing this investigation. He's very detailed. He's very proper. So he chooses all his words carefully. So if you come across a word like hurried, and you want to know, like, why, why is that in here? Because it could have easily said, and Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And no one would have thought different. But it says that Mary hurried. And because that word is in there, it changes a little bit about what is going to happen to Mary. So here's the deal. The angel visits her she, and tells her, you're going to have the son of God. She asks the angel, how can this be? He tells her, here's how. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to get pregnant. This is going to be the son of God. And Mary's got all this stuff rolling around her head. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to have the son of God. I know how this is going to happen, right? And so Mary, knowing how, gets up, and he mentions, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is living in her own miraculous moment right now. In fact, she's six months pregnant. Right? And so he tells Mary, and you're like, why would he tell her about her cousin? I mean, you know, she probably had a lot of cousins back then, and they were all related, kind of like my family, 148 cousins. Someone's always pregnant. <laughs> always pregnant or getting married or something. There's always a reason for a party. And so she, but, but he, he specifically points out Elizabeth, and he says something is happening in Elizabeth's life that will be important to you. And so Mary gets up and she hurries. Now, here's the deal. In the world of women, it takes a bit for you to figure out if you're pregnant or not. It takes a number of weeks, in fact. And where Mary was traveling was not, I mean, it was a journey, but it was not that long of a journey. So if Mary got up and she made haste, like she hurried to Elizabeth, the chances are that Mary didn't know yet for sure she was pregnant. She knew by faith because the angel said this is going to happen, and she said, okay, I'm going to believe. Go ahead and let that happen. But she would not know for a little bit. So she got up. She made hay. She didn't wait around until she was five or six months pregnant with all that. She got up, and she was like, see ya. I'm out of here. And so she goes to Elizabeth's house. Now, let's do a little back story. Well, first, I just want to stop right here. What Mary knew, she knew the angel visited her, told her she was going to have a son. That son was prophesied going to be the son of God. She knew how it was going to happen. But there were some more things that Mary needed to know that were going to be the game changer in her life. Because obviously the journey that she was about to take, she's a woman, she's betrothed to someone else, legally bound in marriage, and now all of a sudden she's going to be pregnant. And in those days, that was not okay. I mean, that was worthy of death. So Mary, there were some things Mary really needed to know in order to walk out that journey. And the angel kind of hints and alludes to that. So she goes to Elizabeth. So these are three things that Elizabeth helps Mary know and understand that were game changers for her to walk out her part in the story. So a little bit of backstory about her cousin Elizabeth. So Elizabeth was married to a man named Zacharias. Now, Zacharias' name means God remembers. Elizabeth's name means God is faithful. 
So Mary hurried to God remembers and God is faithful. Because how many times when you're facing a task that is so big, you really want to run into the room that is called God is faithful. You really want to run into that room. And so it is said that Zacharias was a, Zacharias was a priest. Elizabeth was also from a priestly family. So the way that the priesthood worked back then, Zacharias would get two weeks where he was called, kind of like jury duty, he was called to go work in the temple. These were his two weeks. When he went in to work at the temple, they would kind of draw straws to see who would actually daily go in and serve in the holy part. Now, there was the holy of holies, the holy, holy place, and then there was the holy place, and then there was the other place. So he, he was drawing a straw to go into the holy place, not the holy, holy place, because that was only once a year. And so he draws the right straw. He goes into the holy place. He has an encounter with the angel. Again, Gabriel. Gabriel is busy in Luke. He is busy. And the angel tells him, Gabriel, or tells him, Zachariah, you're going to have a son. Now, here's the deal. Zachariah and Elizabeth were old. They, Elizabeth is actually the sixth woman to be named in the Bible that was barren. But they are old, so they're not old. She's past her childbearing years. And as I studied, it was funny because it said that they were very old, but it said that they were probably about 60. Now, I'm 60, so I don't agree with that. I threw out all those commentaries that said they were old because she was 60. She was kind of just right in her prime. She was hitting her, her strong suit right there. And so we just, you know, you take, you, you know, you eat the meat, you spit out the bones. That's what I say about, about those kinds of things. And so, but they're old. They're past the point where there's any hope of her getting pregnant. And so Zachariah questions the angel because he, when he, when he tells him he's going to have a son, there's some prophecies attached to that. And there's question whether Zachariah was actually questioning whether he and his wife could have a baby or because of the prophecies that were being talked about, questioning whether this truly was the time where the Son of God was going to just emerge. And so, anyways, so he doesn't believe, and the angel says, okay, you don't get to speak, because you're not speaking from a place of belief, and so you don't get to speak. But, but he doesn't withdraw the promise. He just says, you don't get to speak. So he tells him, you're going to have a son. This son is going to, and he quotes Malachi. He quotes scriptures from Malachi that talk about the one who is going to come in the spirit of Elijah, who's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons, who's going to go before the promised Messiah. And so he's realizing as a priest, he would know the scriptures, right? He would know, know them because he, he was supposed to know, know them. And so he He's like, oh, my gosh, is this really going to happen? So he goes home. He's mute. He is mute. Lo and behold, Elizabeth gets pregnant. But he can't speak, and she is old. And in those days, there were two things going on with these people. To be barren was a curse. See, in the Old Testament, in the old days, to be barren, people considered that a curse. And so now she's 60 years old, she's old, and she's pregnant. And she's like, oh, my gosh, if I didn't already have to live a life where I had expect people were asking, when you have a baby, you don't have a son, you don't have an heir. And now you're like, your husband can't even talk. How are you pregnant? You're both old. And so she's walking, she's old. And so she does 
probably, maybe you wouldn't do it, but I probably would. She just hides and she secludes herself. And she's like, peace out. I'm going to go hide. It says that Elizabeth secluded herself for months. So here's the interesting thing. When the angel tells Mary, by the way, your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant, there would be no way she would know. Because, you know, in my family, I mean, we all know each other's business. Like, there ain't no business you don't know, especially on the day where you make tamales and your grandma's there, you get all the gossip. Yeah. You know everything going on in everybody's life. Well, Elizabeth hid herself, so Mary would have had no way to know that her older aunt was pregnant. And so when the angel tells her, it's like, oh, my gosh, God is doing a miracle. Like, in the life of my cousin, I, I, like, I should see that, right? And so Mary makes haste. And when she walks in, lo and behold, like, Elizabeth's pregnant. But the encounter that they have is amazing. So the first thing that Mary needed to know that she learned by this encounter with Elizabeth is that God is always working all the time, everywhere. Look at the person next to you and say, all the time, everywhere. God is working all the time, everywhere. Even in hundreds of years of silence, even in darkness, even in places where it might not be so evident to you, God is always working everywhere. He's doing things in you. He's doing things in you. He's doing things in you. He's doing things in your family. He's orchestrating this incredible plan to bring about his glory because we know that when God is glorified, man gets saved. When we lift the bell back and show the glory of God, men get saved. Well, and women too, but you know, we all get saved. We all get saved. No passes there. So he's orchestrating this great plan. He's, and she's like, okay, he's doing something in me, but look, he's doing something in you too. See, God is working this plan. And Mary needs to know that God is always working all the time, everywhere. Now, it reminded me a little bit of the story of the prophet who was being chased by the really bad queen in the Old Testament. And he was like, everybody, I'm all alone. I'm in a cave. You know, you're only whispering. I just, you know, I'm so scared. And the Lord goes, yeah, there's 3,000 more of you. I mean, there's literally thousands more of you. And so, because you know why? Because I'm working all the time, everywhere. Yours is not the only story, but your stories are all connected. See, the same spirit that is in you is at work in me. And he's doing the same things. And he's doing it. And we're all just, we're all just like about to, our stories converge. Then they kind of go. They go, they ebb and flow. I am so sorry. I'm going to hold this microphone steady because I'm driving the sound man crazy talking with my hands. And so, anyways, w the first thing that Mary needed to know was that God is at work all the time. In everything, all the time, everywhere. The second thing is that she says multiple times to Mary, Mary, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. And at some point she says, I'm blessed. Like, we're all blessed. This is like a bless me party. But hold on a minute. Mary, an unwed single mother who probably in that moment didn't know she was pregnant. Probably the first time she realized that it really, really happened was when she walked in the door and Elizabeth was like, 
you're pregnant. My baby just jumped. You're pregnant, Mary. And oh, by the way, you're blessed. Because being pregnant and not being mar officially married was not a blessing in those days. It was a curse. And so for Elizabeth to call her blessed was, a, was, was lopsided. It was not according to the culture of the day, but she declares that she is blessed. This is probably the first time where Mary was like, it's real. I, like, I literally am pregnant. She affirmed and she confirmed what God was doing in Mary's life. And that is so, so important, right? It is important that we can affirm and confirm what God is doing in the lives of others because how else would Elizabeth have known that, right? And so she calls her. So Mary is in a situation that by all social standards doesn't look blessed. So how in the world, how in the world can we call her blessed? Well, I thought, because, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to study the Bible. I thought, I want to do a word study on just what it means to be blessed. You know, hashtag blessed. I just got this really great car. I just, you know, here I'm at Disneyland. Hashtag blessed, you know. I got this cute guy, whatever, you know. I got a cute guy. I am hashtag blessed. Mr. Shecker, I am hashtag blessed all the way, right? And so, you know, you see all that. But in the Old Testament, to be blessed was always connected to material possessions. You had land, you had cattle, you had heirs, you had servants, you had, you had position, you had power. It was always connected to material possessions. It was also always connected to righteous behavior. So if you're good, I will, you know, I will enlarge your tents. So in the New Testament, Jesus kind is getting ready to flip that around and we're going to start seeing blessed from a whole different lens. Now, the word blessed is from the Greek, makarios. Now, remember, Luke chose his words perfectly. And if you look it up and you're just looking at like one of the little Bible app, you know, um, concordance or whatever, it might just say happy and prosperous. But when you dig, when you dig into the way that is written in it and the way that is written in proper Greek, that word makarios actually means that you are you are perfectly strategically positioned for the Lord to extend an enlarged hand of blessing and favor and provision over your life. So when you say to someone, man, you are blessed, you are like, I am standing right. God is, God is extending an enlarged hand of grace and mercy, and I am right in the way of it. And my circumstances have created a situation for me to be blessed in a way that maybe pre-circumstance I wasn't. So you are blessed. So it makes us think of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus was about to literally flip and blow the minds of the biblical scholars of that day because their blessed was tied to material possessions. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. See, none of that has anything to do with a material possession. And Jesus is flipping theology on its head because you know why? He's about to go to the cross and he's about to enter into a new covenant with all of us. And in the new covenant, there are no curses. See, no curses make it past the cross. 
Like none. They don't make it past the cross. If you have entered into a new covenant relationship with Jesus, there are no curses. There is no possibility of curses. What there is in challenging situations is a position of being blessed with an extended arm of grace, mercy, provision, supply, hope, whatever it is that you need because your circumstance just opened up a stream for God to come in and show himself in a way he couldn't show himself before. So Mary, pre-pregnancy, she was blessed, but now the situation has risen in her life and she is positioned in the greatest way for God to glorify himself in her life, and that is blessing. And it answers the question that people say, well, you know, there's people, it's not fair, some people are hungry. There is no curse. See, Friday, there was a friend, and, and there were some things going on in her life. They had lost a loved one, and there was just some challenges. Beautiful, beautiful believer. And she sends a message, and she's like, to our, you know, our girl group, you got to pray for us because this is happening, and I just feel we're cursed. And I'm like, no, you can't. You actually can't be cursed. I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't say this in that moment because it feels a bit unsensitive, but girl, you're blessed. You are, by definition, positioned in the greatest way possible for God to extend incredible mercy and favor over your life. So when Mary is answering the question, yes, and Elizabeth is saying, you are blessed. So whatever you're going to face, you are blessed, Mary. God is going to show his hand of favor over your life because who is she speaking to? She's literally speaking to the woman who is named God is faithful. She's speaking to a woman named God is faithful. And so the second thing that Mary needed to do was understand that she was blessed. Now, Elizabeth had a choice to make in that moment. Elizabeth, Mary could have walked in and the Lord could have given her a word. Oh, you know, she's pregnant. And she could have said, she could have played the game. Mary, you're pregnant. What happened? Okay. Oh, my God. We need to talk. Okay. And she could have probably, if she was me, she's like, okay, here's how we're going to spin it. Okay, you were attacked. You were like on the road to Jericho, and you were attacked, and then something happened. And so this isn't about your virtue, and then you're going to stay with us, and we can give the, the baby to your aunt, you know, over there. And then we'll just, like, you get your marriage, and we will take this to the grave, girl. We will take it to the grave. And I'm a pastor. We're not supposed to lie. But my brain goes there, right? My mama bear brain goes, oh, we can spin this. No problem. We can get out of this. She could have played the game. She could have, like, gone into that space. We're like, oh, my gosh, this can't be good. This can't be good. But she, instead of playing the game, she decided to change the game. See, God gives us all an opportunity to either play the game or change the game with ourselves and with others. You're either going to play the game and you're going to be like, oh, man, this is... Ooh, yeah, I don't know. Or you're going to change the game and you're going to go, you know what? I'm blessed. You're blessed. We're blessed. We're positioned well. We are positioned for God's favor. So here's like, and I mean, that's, this was a big deal. So I was rolling in and I was like, I, you know, I have a couple little object lessons to try to make my point, but I really didn't have a solid one, you know? And I've been in this church for almost 20 years. Super important that you know that for this message. Almost 20 years. Pat and I and Chandra, like we go, like that's a long time. I mean, my, my baby 
like they're her spiritual mom and dad. And, you know, I've been there. I mean, Kay Howe was a toddler running around the hallway, you know, acting like she's 30. She's always been more older than she is. And we just go back 20 years. We know, know each other. So when Chandra says something about me, she knows, knows it. When Pat says something, Julie, you know, I know you. This is why this is rubbing you the wrong way. Because you, this is it. And when he says that, because he knows, know me. Now, sometimes I don't like that. Who asked you, right? And then my husband will say, Julie, I'm going to tell you something. And he's always kind of sometimes right. Sometimes he's right. And so, but he knows, knows me, right? And so his words come with a lot of weight. So this morning, it's like, it's early. Well, no, it's 8 o'clock. It's actually late. And I get a text from Jake. So I asked Jake if I could tell the story. I feel like every week I have a Jake story because he's one of my favorite people on the planet. And so I know Jake. So Jake did our, um, our internship here for a couple of years. Jake lived with my son during his, inter- during his two years of internship. And then Jake came and lived with Mike and I for two years after that until he met, oh, well, he knew Rebecca, but until he married Rebecca. So I know, know Jake. I know Jake when he used to come and ride his skateboard through my hallways. And I'm like, if you're going to ride your skateboard through my hallways, you're going to take the trash out. Just pick up the trash on your way down the hallway. And so he just was like, sure, Julie. He was my intern for six months during his internship. So he knows, I was joking, early service. He knows all of my passwords, even my bank account. If my identity ever gets stolen, it was Jake. Seriously, and my husband does, he's very uncomfortable with that, but we trust Jake, right? Jake, right? But I've never changed my passwords. He could completely steal my identity. I don't know if he'd want to, but he can. And so I know, I know, know Jake. And Jake and I have walked through some things, some things together. And so this morning it's eight o'clock. Jake is generally walking through this door a couple hours earlier, probably, I would guess, because he turns on, he's the production guy, he turns on everything. Now, last week he showed me how to do it. Because there was a women thing. He trusted me. I did it. I was so proud of myself. I was like, videos. He had videos on my phone with his, you know, touch that button, then touch that button. Now, don't freak out if the lights go off because they will come back on. It was that kind of thing. But I did it. I was proud of myself. So 8 o'clock, he calls me. He goes, I can't find the keys to my car. Or he texts me. Like, wait, you're not at church? Wait, you're not at church? And it's like, I can't, I can't get there. I can't find anyone to pick me up. I have no keys to my car. And I'm like, my first instinct is to go, oh, my God. I got to run downstairs. I got to get Mike. I got to put him in his truck. He's got to go get Jake. I got to go to church because I'm probably the only person on the planet that knows how to turn on the production thing now. Like, Jake can't get to church, and I'm probably the only one that can turn it on. I don't know how to run it, but I can turn it on. And so I'm just, my brain just goes, and so I go, okay, I'm like, Take an Uber, keep trying to get a thing, you know, keep trying to get someone to get there. It's eight. We start at nine. Text Kehal, let her know you're not in the building, all of this stuff. And so I put the phone down and I go back to start to continue getting ready. And the Lord says, Julie, what's the name of your sermon? I'm like, it's a game changer. The game changer, Lord. Keep going. What's the name of your sermon? It's the game changer, Lord. And the Lord is like, are you going to play the game or change the game this morning? Are you going to play the game like, ah, oh, my God, there's a problem. There's a blah, 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 blah. Are you going to change the game for Jake? So I walk back to my phone, and I pick up my phone, and I go, it's, it'll be okay. You have been in worse predicaments than this. You got it. 
I'll see you at church. Because here's the deal. What Jake needed at that moment was he needed to be reminded who he was. See, Mary knew what was going to happen, but she needed to know who she was going to be in what was going to happen. And Elizabeth is like, you're blessed, you're this, you're that. See, Jake needed to know. I walked with this kid through one Easter, none of the lights came on. We walked in here and none of the lights came on. And it was weeks. And we were like standing here and he's like, Julie, they're all broken. So, I'm, okay, solution, solution. I'm going to go to Home Depot. And Billy and Jake and I, we strung, and Tom, we strung cafe lights from Home Depot back and forth across the room to get it to light up so that we could do Easter because his room is dark. There was one time where Jake ran a bucket lift over something by the curtains and we ripped like a four foot wide hole in these sound curtains and he's walking up to tell our senior pastor pat and i'm like do not tell him i know what and so for weeks we would take him down and then we had these quilters that would come in and sew and sew and sew and i'm like you will take this to your grave jake belmonte so me and billy and jake had this secret forever and the woman who fixed them she moved back east so we are good she was in a vow of silence and so we just always like i walk by it and i'm like she did a great job but like jake but i just watched jake he would make sure he took him down him and billy and then he put him back up and i just felt and mike was like are you gonna ever tell i'm like no i don't think i am i think me and jake are just this is gonna be like when, at my funeral jake's gonna get up and go julie and i Julie and I remember when we fixed the curtain with Billy we did actually tell we were in a meeting not too long ago and I was like Jake we have to confess <laughs> so we came out and we're like did you ever see the, the Jake and I ripped the curtains it was like a four or five week thing so I know this kid and he knows that I know him so when I say Jake it's gonna be okay because I know know him he believes me and when I say, Jake, you've been in way worse predicaments than this. And I know you're going to be okay. He believes me. Because this kid is smart. He's resourceful. He's gifted. He's talented. And I know with him, because we've walked a lot of life together, when there's a problem, I, if I press in and try to solve it, it's not helpful. How many of you are like that? You're an anxious pursuer when things are broken. If I step back... And I just say, you know what? You're smart. You're smarter than me at all this stuff. You're good. You're talented. And I just give him a second. He, he has never not figured it out. He always figures it out. He's just, and I'm always like, that's so magical. I don't know how you made that work. And so he's so smart. So this morning, it was funny because I'm just like running around. And the Lord is like, what is the name of your sermon? Because I'm just like, I don't have an object lesson or whatever, God. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. And the Lord's like, oh, seriously, I will ask you one more time. And it's just a game changer. Just, it's okay. He came in. He, I don't even know how many minutes he had, but you would have never known. He got this thing together. But it was a game changer because I could have played the game and been all, you know, let me get in the game. It's all chaotic and all of that stuff. But I decided... I wanted to be a game changer. And you, God has given you an opportunity to play the game or change the game in your life or in the life of everyone around you. You can either play the game or you can change the game. Now, Elizabeth had one more thing that she needed Mary to know. 
she says, how blessed am I that the mother of my Lord has come to see me. Now, because Mary hurried and made haste to Elizabeth's house, I would venture to say that's the first time anyone had called her a mother of anything, let alone the mother of God, like the mother of the Savior, the mother of the Lord. And in those days of honor and properness where you, you wouldn't even speak the name of God because it's so holy, she calls Mary the mother of her Lord. See, she's like saying to her, this is who you are. You have a part to play. And your part is that you're going to be the mother of my Lord. Now, Elizabeth knew that her part, she was going to be the mother of John the Baptist. Now, can we commiserate about raising those two boys? One is running around in the wilderness eating locust and honey. And the other one is venturing off in the desert and not telling anybody for 40 days without food. And so you're like your two moms raising these two kids that have divine, eternal destiny sowed in their heart. Mary needed to know that she had a part to play. But it wasn't the only part because remember, God is working all the time everywhere. So God is working in the world of John the Baptist and the world of the disciples that would be called fishers of men, in the world of Nicodemus, in the world of Zacchaeus, in the world of all the Marys because there's a lot of them. See, God... They were born at just the right time. And God is orchestrating this plan for his glory. So Mary needed to know that she had a part to play. So Mary needed to know God is working all the time everywhere. She needed to know that she was blessed no matter what was coming. She was square in the, in the way of God's blessing. And then the third thing was that she had her own part to play. And so did everybody else. And so I think that at the end of her, her encounter with Elizabeth, Mary just, she's overcome with the affirmation and the confirmation of it all. And she begins to just prophesy. Now I know that Gabriel had, was, broke the silence, right? So for 400 years there was silence and then Gabriel goes to Zacharias first and he breaks the silence of prophecy and he says, this is what's gonna happen. But Mary is the non-angel person who breaks the silence and begins to prophesy about God in her song. It says, let me, let me go to it. It's, it's way down here because I'm not going to read the whole thing. But my soul glorifies the Lord. Oh, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on. All generations will call me blessed. We'll say that I was put in a line for God's extended hand of his glory and his mercy and his presence and his favor to be upon me. That just changes things, right? Because it, it doesn't give any opportunity for anything other than God to be glorified, right? And it says that from now, it says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And she goes on and she talks about that he's extending mercy from generation to generation. She begins to prophesy now. So she talks a little bit about the past. He did this, he did this, he did this, and then he's going to do that. And she just begins to prophesy. I love this one line in Mary's song because my husband and I pray. This is the prayer we pray. Not one person in our family now or to come will fail to see the kingdom of heaven. 
It is a constant prayer of ours. It is our declaration over our family because the Bible says that, that us and our whole families will be saved. So not one person in our family, in our genealogical line, will ever fail to see the kingdom of heaven. And that is a thankful declaration that we make over and over. And when my present kids who live right now, when they're maybe not acting so great, okay, not even you are going to fail to see the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to declare this over you. Not one of you, when your cousins, when your aunts, when your uncles, when your friends, not one of you will fail to see the kingdom of heaven. So joke's on you, kiddo. Joke's on you. And so we pray that. And I love that she's declaring that from generation to generation because what she's doing in that line is she is embracing the eternal destiny of the part she is playing because now she's saying this is the savior that we've all been talking about that we've all needed that we've all looked for and this is a new covenant and again there are no curses in the new covenant there's no curses that made it beyond the cross the beyond the cross is God's blessing now, there might be challenges. There might be things you walk through. I mean, my goodness, study the lives of the disciples. It wasn't a walk in the park, and it wasn't a picnic or a day at Disneyland. But they were blessed because they were perfectly positioned for God's favor on their life. So they were blessed. But there are no curses. No curses made it. If you have received Jesus, you are in a new covenant with him. There are no curses. I can't say that enough. And so Mary is saying, like generations, she is embracing that this is eternal. But now, she references several of the prophets. She references the Psalms. She references Proverbs in her song. Because how many know in the New Testament, people say things, but then you look at it and you're like, oh, like that was actually said 300 years before. And you start like doing your research, right? So she's referencing the prophet Isaiah. So when we ask the question, did Mary know? Isaiah, who she referenced, in chapter 35, it says that the eyes of the blind will be open. It says that the lame will leap like a deer. And then, oh, here's so great. Okay, we just told the story of Zacharias, and he's mute, and John the Baptist in the wilderness and the desert. Okay, check this out. The lame will leap like a deer. The mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You could sit there for a really long time because we got an encapsulated story right there. We got desert. We got wilderness. We got streams. We got a mute man shouting for joy at the birth of his son. So she had to have read Isaiah 35, but she also had to have read Isaiah 53. He took up our pain and he bore our suffering. We considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought our peace was on him. And by the wounds on his body that he took, we were healed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. It goes on to say that he was cut off from the land of the living. Okay, in any version, he was killed. He was assigned a grave with the wicked 
and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Now, how, how many of you want that to be said of the baby that you're carrying? So see, Mary's yes was, yes, I will be the mother to the son of God. And oh, for generations, people are going to call me blessed. But her yes was also to that. The Lord willed to crush him and people killed him. And her yes was to that. Her yes was to have a baby that would be persecuted, that would be hunted. That was her yes. And so what Mary needed to know in this moment was that God was at work everywhere all the time. And what Mary needed to know in this moment was that no matter what she had to walk through, she was blessed. That she was in line for blessing. Because her cousin, God is faithful, called her blessed. Mary needed to know that. She knew the how. She needed to know the who of who she was to be able to do that. And you think about Mary sitting at the, at the foot of the cross. And you sometimes do wonder, did she know that back then? Did she know that she was giving birth to a baby that would end up here? And her yes becomes so, so much bigger. So much bigger. So Mary and Elizabeth, they decided that they weren't just going to play the game. They were going to change the game. They weren't just going to play in the rules that were there, that this is a curse, that this is not good, that there's a, oh, we're both in trouble, girl, we should run away. Greece sounds nice. There's a lot going on right there. Let's go. And they didn't, but they decided that they were going to be a game changer, that they were going to stand on God's promises, that they were going to declare themselves blessed. Now, here's the deal. God is giving you an opportunity. He is giving you an opportunity to be a game player or a game changer. And there's someone that you're thinking about right now. You can either play the game or you can change the game. But you got to do three things. You've got to know that God is working in their life because God is working all the time, everywhere. You've got to know that God is pursuing them to bless them because it is God's desire to bless men. So he is in pursuit of blessing. And you've got to know that both they and you play a part in this story that is important. And if you could do, know, embrace those three things, you can be a game changer, not just a game player. So your homework this week, I want you to go in your bathroom and on the mirror, the one that you look at first thing in the morning, you can write three things. You can write, I am available. I am blessed. I am a game changer. I am available. I am blessed. I am a game changer. I said in the first service you could write it in lipstick, but there was only one person my age who said, yeah, I've done that. Everyone else is like, um, dry erase. Whatever. Um, 
Y'all are going to write lipstick on your mirrors this week. I am available. I am blessed. I am a game changer. Here's a great scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. We are blessed. And this week, ask God to show you what he thinks of just one person. Like, what do you think of this one person? Just like Elizabeth did, you are blessed. You're the mother of my Lord. And then speak that out. Change the game for them by reminding them who they are. Because you have an opportunity to be a game player or a game changer. And I love that these two women, they knew, knew each other. Like, sometimes you got to stay in a place for a little bit. Because Jake has stayed for a little bit, and I know, know him. And I have a friendship with the Lynch family, and they know, know me. And I have friends that have walked life with me. And I, when I say to them, mm, I know you. We just had that moment this week. I know, know you, Winona. I know, know you. Because remember a couple years ago, I said to the Lord, I wish I could see Winona. I miss her. And the Lord said, if you saw her, what would you say? And I said, I would say this to her. And the next day I ran into you because I know, know you. And I love you deeply. And when I say things, you know, I know you. I'm Team Winona. Team Winona. Will you stand? I'm going to ask the prayer team to just be ready. It wouldn't be right to, to end this without giving you an opportunity to enter into that covenant with Jesus that I was talking about. The doorway of salvation seals the covenant where there is no more curse, only blessing. And so I need to give you an opportunity to do that. We have a prayer team up here. If you've never done that, I mean, I don't know, maybe y'all have, but if you've never done that, raise your hand. Raise your hand. And if, you, if I don't see hands, I'm assume that you have. And if you have, I need to tell you, you're blessed. Now, there's probably some things in the lives, in your lives, in the lives of your friends that you just really you want to change the game. You need a game-changing moment. As the prayer team comes up, just come on up. They're going to pray for you, and they're going to, you're going to have an Elizabeth and Mary moment, and they're going to change the rules of that game for you because we're going to speak it out. We're going to say what God says. We're going to agree with him, and we're going to get that done. So let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Elizabeth. I thank you for Mary. I thank you. God, that you desire to always bless us, that you are at work all the time, everywhere, God. You're so amazing. I thank you for the lovely people that have lived so much life um, here with all of us that we know, know each other. I ask your blessing as they go this week. God, they are all game changers. Bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.